وَلَا تُجَادِلُوا And do not argue. Meaning do not do jidal. And jidal is argument. Basically jidal is from jadal to fight. And this is referring to a verbal argument. So do not argue ahlal kitabi with the people of the book. And of course, with the people of the book, why would there be an argument? This is any interfaith debate, you could say, basically about the religion. So do not argue with the people of the book, illa except, billati, with that which, meaning in the manner which is, here it is, ahsan, best. Meaning in the best manner. Your method should be best. The arguments that you use should also be strongest, best. Do not let go of your akhlaq when you are discussing religion with them. How should you discuss with them? With tolerance, in a civil way, with well-wishing. إِلَّا إِكْسَبْتَ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْهُمْ Those who commit injustice among them. Meaning those who do zulm when they're discussing, when they're arguing with you, when they are having a debate with you over any religious matter. And if they start doing zulm then what should you do at that point? Do not continue the jidal. Do not continue the discussion. At that time, just stop the discussion. Because, وَإِذَا خَاطَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا Because sometimes an argument, a discussion, a debate, it can be very helpful, it can be very productive, but there are other times when both parties become stubborn. Or for instance, the debate itself is not balanced, it's not fair. There's bias over there. Right? So in this situation, what should you do? Should you continue on? No, don't continue, just stop. There's no need to you know, keep arguing over there because they're going to keep bombarding you with something or the other. And they're not willing to listen. So when they're not willing to listen, you don't have to put yourself in a situation where you are being abused or your religion is being abused. So in that situation, stop. Likewise, if the other party becomes very rude in the manner that they're speaking, they become very inappropriate, then... Just stop over there. No need to argue there. وَلَا تُجَادِلُوا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ إِلَّا بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنْ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْهُمْ Also this means, another interpretation of إِلَّا الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْهُمْ is that if the dialogue turns into ظلم, if the discussion turns into ظلم, meaning the other party, the Ahlul Kitab, they're becoming violent in their response. Then you're not going to say, oh, okay, you hit me on my one cheek, go ahead, hit me on the other cheek also. No, then you're not going to say, I have to hold on to Allatihiya Ahsan. I have to be very tolerant over here. I have to be very nice over here. No, then you respond with the like. Meaning, given the situation that you're in, right? Whatever is necessary, then you do that. Respond to them in the same way. You understand? This is like there's an argument, a discussion, and then people become violent then at that time you're not going to say, okay, everybody sit down, stay calm, you know, we're having a discussion over here. No, it's not going to be a discussion. You're going to lose your life perhaps. Think about the time of the Prophet ﷺ. Some people when they came to him, they had a very proper discussion with him and others, they became very violent. So where there's violence, then you have to leave. Right? So, إِلَّا الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْهُمْ And many times it happens that you know, there is a discussion and there is a panel discussion, for example, and it's supposed to be well balanced. But then you see there is a Muslim, and then there is an atheist who was a Muslim, and then there is a, a Jewish person, a Christian person, and another atheist. And then, okay, you could argue that fine, could, all these people are in the panel discussion. But then every question that is being raised is about Muslims, Islam, 
That is not balanced. It's not balanced. It's biased. So this is ghulm on their part. So in this situation, if a person says, no, I don't want to take part in this panel discussion, are they doing something wrong over there? No, they're not doing anything wrong over there. وَقُولُوا and say, آمَنَّا We believe بِالَّذِي in that which أُنزِلَ إِلَيْنَا has been revealed to us. وَأُنزِلَ إِلَيْكُمْ and that which has been revealed to you. Meaning we believe in the Qur'an, we believe in the Torah that Allah revealed. We believe in the Injil that Allah revealed. وَإِلَاهُنَا and our God, meaning the one whom we worship, وَإِلَاهُكُمْ and your God, the God that you worship is wahid, one. We believe in the same God. وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ And we are Muslims to Him. Meaning we have submitted to Him. So there's no need to argue. Now, this ayah, what is this teaching us? Religious debates, religious discussions. Do they happen? Do they happen inside the house? In the living room? Yeah? Where one person is saying, I want to wear the hijab. And the other is saying, no, you shouldn't wear the hijab. Where one person is saying, I have to wear the hijab in this gathering that I'm going to. And the other is saying, that no, you should not wear the hijab in the gathering that you're going to. Do these arguments happen at home? It starts with a very small discussion and then it turns into a battle. Seriously. Doesn't it? It's so sad. Anytime religious issues come up in a conversation that conversation doesn't remain a conversation anymore. It turns into a debate. It turns into an argument. It's so sad. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us a very, very important instruction over here. That whether this debate, discussion is in the family, or it is with co-workers, it is with Muslims, or it is with non-Muslims. These are guidelines that you must follow. What are the guidelines? First of all, بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَن In a good manner. Good manner. Don't let go of your akhlaq. Even when you are discussing religious matters. Because for some reason, when the matter of niqab, hijab, you know, Qur'an, salah, this, that comes, we get so emotional. And we're like, oh, this is my jihad. You know, get so emotional over there. Angry. You don't need to be angry over there. Chill, relax, calm down. Have a proper discussion. Explain your viewpoint. Explain your you know, standing, whatever it is that you believe in, your reasoning for doing what you're doing. Explain. بِالَّتِهِ ahsan. And remember that بِالَّتِهِ ahsan. it doesn't just refer to the manner and the style in which you speak, but even the content. The content should be ahsan. The words that you're using to address your family members in this debate should be proper. The arguments that you're using should also be solid. They should be solid, convincing. Secondly, another very important guideline that we're given over here is carry on with the discussion as long as it is productive. Right? If it is not productive, if people are turning to zulm, that the daughter is yelling at the mother and the mother is yelling at the daughter and then the father gets involved and the brother gets involved and then there's literally division in the family. This is not a healthy atmosphere in the house. As soon as people become hostile, what do you have to do? 
stop the discussion. Just say, I don't think we should continue with this discussion right now. Let's come back to it later. I'm sorry, I still need some time to think about it. Do something to end the argument. Because that argument, that discussion is not going to let you go anywhere. Seriously, tell me. Can you recall any such argument that you had in your family, in your living room recently? Perhaps many. What happened when you let the argument continue? Who won? Nobody. Nobody won. You didn't win. The other person didn't win. Who was hurt? Everyone was hurt. Who got involved in it? Even your grandmother sitting in Pakistan. <laughs> Seriously. Everybody gets involved in it. It's a waste of time. It's a distraction. So stop the argument. Thirdly, another very important guideline we're given over here is speak on common grounds. That وَقُولُوا آمَنَّا بِالَّذِي أُنزِلَ إِلَيْنَا وَأُنزِلَ إِلَيْكُمْ وَإِلَاهُنَا وَإِلَاهُكُمْ وَاحِدْ وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ Go back to common grounds. Talk on common grounds. Because the thing is that in such discussions, many times what happens is that we you know, team up against each other. Like, I am against you, you are against me. No. Discuss the issue as if it's you know, everyone's issue. Right? And then mention the talk about the things that are common amongst everybody. And also, وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ Tell the other person that what you're doing, you're doing because of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, for example, many times, families are not supportive of girls, for instance, wearing hijab. Okay, whether it is certain type of hijab or bigger hijab or smaller hijab or hijab, all, it, sometimes it happens and in families it gets difficult. Maybe not on an everyday thing, but for a certain occasion. Maybe there's a wedding coming up and everybody's like, you don't wear that hijab. Right? You better not wear hijab like that. So instead of getting upset over there, getting angry over there, what do you do? You explain your viewpoint to them. Why is it that you will still wear hijab at the wedding? Why? Tell them in a very cool way, in a very calm way. What happens is that when we get angry, then our family gets angrier. Really. They get angrier. So stop the argument there. وَكَذَلِكَ and thus أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ We have revealed to you الْكِتَابَ The book. We have revealed the Qur'an to you. فَالَّذِينَ So those who آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابَ We gave them the book. يُؤْمِنُونَ بِهِ They believe in it. Those who have been given the book, meaning the Yahud and the Nasara, the Ahlul Kitab, and amongst them who were truly those who were given the book, meaning they truly received the book, they internalized the book, they followed the book properly. Then what happened when they saw the Qur'an, when they came to know of the Qur'an, when they heard the Qur'an, يُؤْمِنُونَ بِهِ They believe in it. وَمِنْ هَؤُلَاءِ And amongst these are مَنْ يُؤْمِنُ بِهِ Are those who believe in it. Meaning, these, remember how ulai, that which is closer to you, right? It's ishara qareeb. Ula'ika is those, those who are far. Ha'ula'i, these who are near. Now which people were nearer to the Prophet ﷺ? The people of Makkah. So Allah says that even for amongst these Arabs, there are those who have believed in the Qur'an. So basically, amongst the Ahlul Kitab are those who believe in the Qur'an. And amongst the Arabs also, 
There are people who have believed in the Qur'an. Ahlul Kitab, Jews and Christians, people of the book. The Arabs, who were they? Pagans. They were mushrikeen. Was there a difference between the Ahlul Kitab and the mushrikeen? Huge difference. Not just religious, but cultural, language, in every way. So many differences between them. But what was common among some of them? It didn't matter what their background was. When they learned the Qur'an, they recognized it, they believed in it. وَمَا يَجْحَدُ بِآيَاتِنَا إِلَّا الْكَافِرُونَ And none reject our verses except the disbelievers. So basically what is being said in this ayah is that from both of these groups that are so different, there are people who believe in the Qur'an. And there are many who don't believe. So all people are not the same. From the same group of people, you will come across some who are really nice, and then you will come across some who are otherwise. Right? Because generally we hold stereotypes. Well, this person, from this school, from this city, from this country, this ethnicity, this religious background, oh, they're very like this, they're very like that. No, they're not all the same. They're not all the same. You will come across some who will believe, and you will come across some who will be very different. So what is the Prophet ﷺ being taught in this ayah? That keep conveying the message. Keep conveying the message. Regardless of who those people are, what their background is, don't care about that. And this is the beauty of Islam, that you will find, you know, for example, in Medina, it was such a diverse community. Really. Such a diverse community. There were Sahaba who were from Mecca, there were Sahaba who were from Yemen, there were Sahaba who were from Persia. Right? Different backgrounds. What was common in them? What was common in them? Their Islam. Right? Because sometimes what happens is that when you are doing some da'wah work, you, you get disappointed. You're like, this community? No hope. This locality? No hope. No There is always hope. Even if one person will believe, even if one person will accept, even if one person can find the Qur'an, it is worth it. It is worth it. وَمَا كُنْتَ And you were not. تَتْلُو You recite. مِنْ قَبْلِهِ From before it. مِنْ كِتَابٍ Any book. You did not recite before it any scripture. Meaning before this Qur'an came to you, O Prophet ﷺ, you didn't recite any scripture. Did he recite the Torah, the Injil? No, he didn't. The Prophet ﷺ was unlettered. He was not well read at all. وَلَا تَخُطُّهُ Nor did you inscribe it, بِيَمِينِكُ with your right hand. تَخُطُّهُ from خَطَّ خَطَّطَ And خَطَّ literally means to, to draw lines, to put marks, to draw. And then from this خط is also used for writing. Because when you're writing, what are you doing? What are you doing essentially? You're putting marks. Isn't it? You're drawing lines. Which is why many times you'll find children, you know, they've got a pen or something and they're scribbling. What are you doing? I'm writing. Right? See my name and it's just a bunch of scribbles. Right? So this is what writing is about. خط. So, وَلَا تَخُطُّهُ بِيَمِينِكَ Nor did you write with your right hand. Does this mean that writing with the left hand is not possible? It is possible. Then why is it said, you didn't write with your right hand? 
What does it mean? It, this is basically emphasizing. It's like when you say, I saw with my own eyes. Well, do you ever see with the eyes of other people? You don't. It's just emphasizing. I really saw. So, وَلَا تَخُطُّهُ بِيَمِينِكَ Meaning you never ever wrote anything. You never expressed yourself in writing. Never. The Prophet ﷺ never read, never wrote before he received prophethood. And of course, after he received prophethood also, he didn't write. He didn't read. So much so that at the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, he didn't know where exactly Rasul was. Right? And Ali radiallahu anhu had to point it out to him and then he erased it with his hand. He couldn't read. He couldn't tell between Ra and Sin. He couldn't. He couldn't identify Ra. He couldn't identify these letters. He couldn't read. Even then, لَرْتَابَ Meaning if you did ever write, read before, then what would happen? لَرْتَابَ Surely he would have doubted. From Ra, Yaba, Raib. الْمُبْطِلُونَ Those who follow Batil, The falsifiers. Meaning those who reject you. They would have doubted. Meaning, they would have doubted that you are really a prophet. They would have said that, oh, look, Muhammad wasallam, he used to read before. He used to write before. So, he just, you know, made this Qur'an up. And that is not the case. So, basically what we're being taught in this ayah is that the Qur'an is truly a miracle. It is truly Allah's word. Because it was given to, it was delivered through a prophet as Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, who was unlettered. I don't know about you, but when I read this ayah, I feel so empowered. It's so, it gives you so much confidence. Because sometimes what happens is that people look down on you. They're like, oh, look at your age. Oh, look at your background. Right, you don't have that degree or that degree or that degree. You don't even know about this or this or this. You know what? The Qur'an is for everybody. It's for people who are highly educated and it's also for people who haven't been to school at all. It's for people who can read many, many words in a second. And it's also for people who cannot read a single word. The Qur'an is for everybody. If Allah chose an unlettered prophet for His book, then why should we ever, ever look down on somebody just because they don't have a worldly degree. Who are we to think like that? And you see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have chosen someone to be a prophet, someone who was knowledgeable in worldly terms, someone who was able to read and write. But why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala choose a nabiyya al-ummi? What was the reason? Amongst many reasons, one is that he was pure. He was pure. Because when you are taught, when you are trained by anybody, that actually affects your thinking. Doesn't it? Like for example, so many of us, when we keep reading about feminism perspective, and the Marxist perspective, and the you know, so-and-so perspective, then what happens? Everything when you look at it, you're like, oh, you start analyzing it in that way. Isn't it? It affects your, it shapes your thinking. So the Prophet ﷺ, his mind... What was it? Pure. It was pure, unaffected by man. You understand? It was unaffected. And this is why the Prophet ﷺ's mind, his heart was the most perfect container for the Qur'an. The most perfect 
vehicle for the delivery of the Qur'an. إِذَا لَرْتَابَ الْمُبْطِلُونَ بَلْ هُوَ Rather it is, the Qur'an is ayatun bayinat. It is distinct verses, clear verses. فِي صُدُورِ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمِ In the chests of those who have been given knowledge. It is, بَلْ هُوَ it. Now this ayah has been understood in two ways. One is that بَلْ هُوَ Rather it is. It is referring to the Prophet ﷺ being ummi, not being able to read, not being able to write. Basically signs of his prophethood. Okay? These are ayatun bayinat, clear signs that are where? Fi sudurin ladina utul ilm, in the hearts of those who have been given knowledge. Amongst who? The people of the book. Meaning they are well known, these signs are well known to the knowledgeable amongst the Ahlul Kitab. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, يَعْرِفُونَهُ كَمَا يَعْرِفُونَ أَبْنَاءَهُمْ They recognize him as well as they recognize their own sons. Because they recognize the signs. They just knew it. When they saw the Prophet ﷺ, he was not a liar. He was not a false prophet. Then another interpretation of this ayah is that Balhua, rather it is, meaning what you have received from Allah, this kitab, this Quran, it is ayatun bayinat, distinct verses, clear verses, that are preserved fi sudur ladina utul ilm, within the hearts of those who have been given knowledge. The Quran is preserved in the hearts of those who have knowledge. It is not preserved in their books. The knowledgeable have the Qur'an preserved in their hearts. The verses are distinct and clear in their sadr. Because they have internalized the ayat of the Qur'an. They have taken them in. So the Qur'an is settled deeply in their hearts. The Qur'an has become a part of them. You understand? Meaning it's not just something that they write and they take beautiful notes with and they study it and memorize it and then forgotten. No. It's a part of them. So even if it's not written with them, even if they cannot write, they still have the Qur'an with them. بَلْ هُوَ آيَاتٌ بَيِّنَاتٌ Check yourself. Am I amongst such الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمِ This is the sign of a knowledgeable person. Who is truly knowledgeable near Allah? The one who has Qur'an here, in his heart. Not just the one who has Qur'an in his hand. Even if you have Qur'an in your hand, it's excellent. But then you're dependent on an external copy of the Qur'an. You understand? You're dependent on reading and writing the Qur'an. The true carrier of the Qur'an is one who has taken the Qur'an in his heart. Then he doesn't need to read, he doesn't need to write, he doesn't need to have the skills of reading and writing in order to have the Qur'an as a part of his life. We think we're so you know, knowledgeable just because we can read. Yeah, I can open the Qur'an from anywhere and I can read. Yeah, that is good. But then you're dependent on a copy of the Qur'an. For recitation. بَلْ هُوَ آيَاتٌ بَيِّنَاتٌ فِي صُدُورِ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمِ Go ahead. This reminds me of um, Shaykh Ibn Taymiyyah. Ibn Taymiyyah, okay. Yeah. Um, 
when he was in jail yes. and he wasn't allowed to have paper and pens or whatever and he made like such amazing discoveries or yeah like so basically he was imprisoned and in the last imprisonment even paper was taken away from him this is a man who has read and written all his life and now he was jailed and there was not a single piece of paper or pen nothing with him he couldn't read anything he couldn't write anything so what is it that he spent his time doing reciting the quran and it is said that he recited the quran 80 times 80 times and this is not just reciting like okay today right now it's going to be quran reading marathon so i'm just going to recite like five juz no it was reciting with contemplation reading reviewing reflecting on the ayat so then quran is really a companion so bal huwa ayatun bayyinatun fi sudur alladhina utul ilm think about it why does allah subhanahu wa ta'ala call such people alladhina utul ilm people who have been given knowledge because true knowledge is that which is with you that which you can implement true knowledge is that which you can recall which you can apply you understand if there is a doctor that you go to and he's you know checking your blood pressure and then he's like okay i'm not sure if this is good range let me just check my book and he checks his book would you trust that doctor that if you cannot even remember if you cannot even recall what's a healthy range when it comes to blood pressure i'm sorry i cannot trust you who's a real doctor the one who's got medicine and knowledge related to medicine where in his ipad head in here so the true carrier of the quran is one who's got the quran where in the sadr assalamu alaikum there is a sister she end up in jail now she's out so she there is a the scholar they always go there on friday and they tell the you know the dean and the you know the brain so 20 women they accept islam in the jail and she, in the jail in jail yeah okay. when she came out she told me that she cry every single day when she was there because she say i didn't give like time to learn my deen to explain more to this woman who accept islam and she think like fatiha whatever she knows and the one friday come the sheikh they you know the everybody who learned the fatiha he told that you are responsible to teach others to fatiha the one who learn like how to make the wudu and uh, how to prepare like salah he say you are responsible to teach others so now she's out from jail she say i wish i could know more yes. while i was there so yeah because really what you memorize that becomes you know a part of you it's a constant companion you can recall it and when you recall it it gives you hope and it gives you motivation if you have to keep reading a book for motivation you know getting to the book and then opening it and then finding the page and then reading it who's going to do all that effort go ahead for the past week i had a question at the back of my head and um yesterday on the bus i was i i was reading through my mushaf and i found the answer in surah tauba and just like a random not a random ayah but i was reading through it and i'm like subhanallah if i memorize this it would have the answer would have come to me right away instead of me having to like think about it for a whole entire week hmm. yeah. 
But also, if you think about it, the fact that you understood the meaning, right? The meaning was memorized, right? That's why when you read the ayah, it hit you. You got a message from it. So, بَلْ هُوَ آيَاتٌ بَيِّنَاتٌ فِي صُدُورِ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمِ Each one of us should think about how much Qur'an do I have in my heart. And I'm not just talking about the actual memorization. Not just the memorization. Memorization, of course, that is understood. But on top of that, beyond that also, what level of understanding do I have of the Qur'an in my heart? وَمَا يَجْحَدُ بِآيَاتِنَا إِلَّا الظَّالِمُونَ And none reject our verses except the wrongdoers. Now why is this being mentioned over here? That the Qur'an is in the hearts of people who have knowledge. This is a proof that is being given for the truthfulness of the Qur'an. One proof that was given in the previous ayah, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ was unlettered. Another proof that is given over here is that the Qur'an is actually memorized by people who cannot even read and write. Isn't that a miracle? You know, there are people who, if you open the mushaf before them and you say, read it, I can't recite like that. But if you ask them, do you know this surah? Yeah, I know this surah. And they can recite it in front of you. They've memorized it, but they can't really read. There are children who have memorized. You know, there is this lecture by Shaykh Yasir Qadi, is Qur'an really a book of Allah? Something like that. Recently it came out. And in that, one of the first things that is mentioned is, the fact that the Qur'an is memorized by so many people, so many different backgrounds, okay, different ages, men, women, old, children, they memorize the Qur'an cover to cover. This is proof that the Qur'an is really from Allah. This is also a proof. وَقَالُوا And they say, لَوْلَا Why not? أُنزِلَ عَلَيْهِ Unzila, it was revealed, it was sent down, alayhi on him, ayatun, miracles, mirabbihi from his Lord. They say, how come miracles were not given to him from his Lord? Like the miracle of Musa alayhi salam. Qul say, innamal ayatu, indeed, miracles, indallah, they're with Allah. Wa innama, and indeed only, ana nadirum mubin, I am a clear warner. They ask for miracles so that the truthfulness of Qur'an is proven. The Qur'an itself is a miracle. أَوَلَمْ يَكْفِهِمْ أَوَلَمْ is wa and lam not yakfihim it is sufficient for them meaning is it not enough for them anna that indeed we anzalna alayka al-kitab we have revealed on you the book yutla alayhim that is recited to them. Is the recitation of the Qur'an not a miracle? The recitation of the Qur'an by an unlettered prophet is it not a miracle? It's a miracle. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ Indeed in that, لَرَحْمَةً Surely a mercy. وَذِكْرَى And a reminder. لِقَوْمِ يُؤْمِنُونَ For a people who believe. Meaning the Qur'an, the fact that an unlettered prophet is reading it, and after so many years there's no changes, there's no revisions, and there's no forgetting, and nothing like that. It's perfectly preserved. And the Qur'an has been revealed over a period of 23 years. There is no changing of the content. Because if you think about it, if a person is working on a project for 23 years, you think it's going to have some change of opinions or change of thinking after some time? Certainly. You know, you meet somebody and then you meet them again after like 15 years, there's such a huge change in them. Right? 23 years. And the message of the Qur'an is consistent. What does that show? 
It's truly from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the fact that the Prophet ﷺ was reciting the book, the reciting itself is a proof. The recitation of the Qur'an is proof. Because the recitation itself is mercy and reminder. It's mercy and reminder. What does it mean? That the recitation of the Qur'an is not just reading of words. It's not just content delivery. Do you feel something when you hear the Qur'an? Do you feel something when you hear the Qur'an? Or is it just like hearing sounds? Do you get goosebumps? Does it wake you up? Does it make you cry? Does it make you smile? Does it make you feel like you're the happiest person in the world? It's rahmah. Wadikra. And it's not just empty, hollow words. No, it's a reminder. You know sometimes when you hear people singing, for instance... And if you see those words written down, what are those words? Useless. Useless words. Like seriously. It just sounds so beautiful when they're singing, but the actual content is meaningless. Ha hu, lots of, you know, crying and whatever it is. You know, people laugh when they sing or when they hear music and they cry even when they hear music. But it's not a reminder. The Qur'an is dhikra. But for who? لِقَوْمِ يُؤْمِنُونَ For people who? Believe. So the stronger your iman, the stronger your love, your adoration of the book of Allah, the stronger you reflect on it. Let's listen to the recitation. وَلَا تُجَادِلُوا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ إِلَّا بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنُ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْهُمْ وَقُولُوا آمَنَّا بِالَّذِي وَكَذَلِكَ أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ فَالَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِهِ وَمِنْ هَؤُلَاءِ مَنْ يُؤْمِنُ بِهِ وَمَا يَجْحَدُ بِآيَاتِنَا إِلَّا الْكَافِرُونَ وَمَا كُنْتَ تَتْلُو مِنْ قَبْلِهِ مِنْ كِتَابٍ وَلَا تَخُطُّهُ بِيَمِينِكَ إِذَا لَرْتَابَ الْمُبَطِلُونَ بَلْ هُوَ آيَاتٌ بَيِّنَاتٌ فِي صُدُورِ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمِ وَمَا يَجْحَدُ بِآيَاتِنَا وَقَالُوا لَوْلَا أُنزِلَ عَلَيْهِ آيَاتٌ مِّن رَّبِّهِ قُلْ إِنَّمَا الْآيَاتُ عِندَ اللَّهِ وَإِنَّمَا أَنَا نَذِيرٌ مُّبِينٌ أَوَلَمْ يَكْفِهِمْ أَنَّا أَنزَلْنَا الْكِتَابَ يُتْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَرَحْمَةً وَذِكْرَى لِقَوْمٍ 